Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 51 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. If you have time, please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, the birthday boy, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? Oh, it's been a birthday, Larry, but I am here, I'm ready to talk wrestling, and I'm a year older, and I'm feeling my age today, unfortunately. What, you big 16 this year or something? <laughs> oh, man, 31. I guess it's not that old. I realize it's not that old, but every year past 21 is just another year older, it feels like. That is true, dude. I, I hear you. It's a... Uh... It doesn't get any better once you get past 40, dude. They start hitting you a little harder, but as long as you don't lose a leg, you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll try not to. But then, you know, between the two of us, we'd have two good working legs if it gets to that point. That'd be all right, too. That's true. And then you'd be part cyborg like me, so you'd have that going for you. Now listen, I always said I want when I grow up, I want to be like you. So if I got to cut the leg off and get the cyborg leg, then that's what I'll do. Well, there you go. See, it's it's not all that bad. <laughs> But yeah, it's a. Uh, somebody made it like a joke to one day in the comment section, and then they they felt like really bad about it and emailed me, and I was like, I was like, no, it was okay because it was like something similar to what I had said on the show, and I'm like, listen, I'm like, I can joke about it a bit as long as you're not using it to be an asshole. I'm okay, you know. It's just like it's it shit happens, man. It's like again, I um, it's not gonna do me any good to boohoo about it because it happened, you know, and uh. You, you got to joke about it a little bit because, again, that's a, the humor is kind of what got me through it. Because, like I said, one of, the, one of the first things Christy said to me after I had the first amputation surgery was she looked at me and she says, well, you know, she's like, I, she said something, but it was actually after the second one because they had to do the above knee. And she goes, well, here's the good news. I'm like, and I'm, I'm looking at her like dead eye. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And she goes, well, you don't have to go in for that ACL surgery you were going to have. <laughs> Which is true, because I was supposed to have, like, my third ACL surgery. I'm like, well, I'm like, she ain't fucking wrong, you know? <laughs> and I did laugh about that one, because it is true. And the funny thing is, is like, because, like, I, obviously I've done, like, some steps and stuff with the prosthetic leg, and it's a, it's an odd sensation to go up steps now and not hear my knee grinding and it not hurt really bad. So it's actually, like, kind of nice. And then, like, the other thing was, is, like, when I had to practice, like, getting up off the floor, and she's like, yeah, she's like, you have to work onto your knees, and then you, you get onto your right foot, and you push yourself up, and I'm like, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get onto my left knee, that's going to work really good, and then I realized, I'm like, don't have a left knee anymore, and it doesn't hurt to get off, off of the floor now. <laughs> like, so that's, that's good, because, like, the other day, I was hanging out with uh, the kids in the living room, I was sitting on the floor with Alex for a little bit, and I went to get up, and Hannah's like, you need help? I'm like, no, I'm actually fine, and she's like you actually got up faster than you used to. I'm like, I know it's scary, isn't it? So, so, so you've got uh, the, you've got the cyborg leg to push up off of. That's right. So it's gotta, gotta accept the good thing. So yeah, it's, it's nice not to have that horrible chronic knee pain anymore. Uh, but Jeremy, we got our show to do tonight. We got WWE clash of champions to talk about. We're going to discuss a little more fallout from the Anthem access TV deal. And then we're to give some the King of the Ring finals predictions, which take place on Raw, and we'll talk a little bit about the NXT two-hour debut. So we will start off with WWE Clash of the Champions 2019, held in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
And, uh, you know, all the championships were defended technically, even the 24-7 title, which uh, made a wacky appearance on the show. Started off with the pre-show, Jeremy. Uh, Cruiserweight champion Drew Gulak defeated Humberto Carrillo and Lince Dorado. 10 minutes, 10 seconds via pin. Your thoughts, sir? The cock. The Clash of Champions kickoff. The cock. Yeah, WWE that was, cock. That was a hell of a hashtag. <laughs> Did they... Did they not run that by somebody? I mean, come on. Uh, um, the the match was fine. It was kind of sloppy at points. Um, Umberto Carrillo, I don't know if he was lost out there. Or he was just kind of missing stuff. But they they were selling stuff that maybe they shouldn't have been selling because it didn't look very good. And and I have no problem with like sloppy matches because it because it can add an element of realism but if you're going to do it you have to kind of show that all right he missed i'm not really going to bump my ass off for this and in this match they sort of bumped a little bit too much off of uh, misses and just uh some miscommunication Golak winning right call to me i like his title run i think he should have uh, a longer title reign we've seen in 205 live i guess outside of the tony niece run which was pretty short but for the most part these champions get kind of a, a longer title run. And so I think Gulak certainly fits that bill where he should get a, uh, a nice healthy run and Dorado and um, Carrillo, not the guys just yet. They do need to build somebody up on 205 live. Uh, Oni was getting up there, but it was too quick for him. They, they need to start building some guys for that believable title change whenever it's going to come. Uh, definitely agree on that. Yeah. Gulak winning definitely was the right call and he beat Dorado, which Leaves them open to go back to the Humberto Carrillo singles match they originally were going to run here, but then turn it into a triple threat. Uh, I didn't have as many problems with the match as you did. I thought it was uh, like a really good and fun opener, and uh, the finish made sense. And uh, Drew Gulak remains the law of 205 Live. I love that, so he is very good. Nothing but love for Drew Gulak, so... I, I'm a fan of Drew Gulak. I hope he gets again this this longer title run because he had to suffer through that terrible PowerPoint gimmick, so he deserves yeah. this. No, definitely. Yeah. He's a guy that was just kind of like he was just kind of a workhorse for the for the show for the longest time. He always had like good matches and stuff, but like you said, he had to do the PowerPoint thing, and he he did his best to try to get that over. But it's just. Uh, yeah, it was that was really hard on him, but he uh, he's just kind of fought through, and he's been pr- probably like the most reliable guy now, especially because like Cedric and Ollie and Buddy Murphy are gone. So it's like and they had like more higher end matches during their time there, but Gulak was always having like solid feuds and good TV matches, and was always there. So yeah, it's it's nice to see him kind of get rewarded with a nice run, and and he's a guy that's been there since the beginning, you know. So that's also I like seeing that. Continue on with our second pre-show match: U.S. Champion AJ Styles defeated Cedric Alexander in just under five minutes. Uh, Cedric Alexander went shock and awe at the beginning, hit a Michinoku driver right away for a near fall, a tope, uh, back spring, back handspring kick. He was running wild. Styles cut him off, hit a clash on the floor, and then pretty much from there it was all AJ Styles. He uh, even pulled him up on um, a two count, and then pretty much just dominated him the rest of the way to a quick, easy victory. Your thoughts? Disappointing because it's AJ and Cedric, and you would hope that 
they would get time and be able to work in AJ and Cedric match. And instead they got five minutes and it was a fun sprint. Like, don't get me wrong. It was good for what it was, but it's tough to have that standout match in, in five minutes, especially when you have these two guys who, you know, like, give these guys 10 minutes. Why, why couldn't they have 10 minutes? You have this whole pre-show and you gave them five minutes. I, I don't have a problem with a match being on the pre-show because in theory, you're only going to have two matches in, in the whole hour of the pre-show. So each match should get like 10 to 12 minutes minimum. And it didn't get that. And it sucked. Um, it, it sucked as far as just the length of match. Match was fine for the five minutes. The The booking was kind of weird because Cedric was – he ran wild, but once AJ cut him off, he cut him off, and he was done, and then he laid him out post-match, and it's like, all right, Cedric seems to be done right now. So I guess we'll see where it goes, but AJ looked strong in this segment. Yeah, um, the, the start gave me like great hope because it was like really great. And I thought we were going to get like a nine or 10 minutes sprint like that and just let them do their thing. And, you know, we didn't get that. It was fun for what it was. Like you said, though, I was kind of disappointed with it because I was expecting a little more. I was hoping for more. And then Cedric got his ass beat in his hometown afterwards. So fuck you, Cedric. Yeah, don't, don't, don't tell. This is why the Undertaker never lost. He was from parts unknown. They couldn't bury him in his home, in his hometown. Damn right. Uh, so we moved on to the the main show. Uh, Raw Tag Team Championship kicked off the show. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode defeated Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Nine minutes, 20 seconds to be a pin to become your new Tag Team Champions of the World, Jeremy. Or new Tag Team Champions of the Raw World, I guess. Um, <laughs> I thought it was solid with the expected uh, finish of a title change, and it was fine. Yeah, nothing to write home about. I was wrong on my prediction that we'd have the OC or the Viking Raiders are both added to this match. And they just, they beat Seth and it was, you know, they did the whole partner miscommunication gimmick and whatever. And the problem is when you, when you do that, it doesn't make Seth look great. It didn't really add any heat to the main event. Um, and you almost telegraph your, your main event finish because all right, are you really going to beat Seth twice in one night after you've spent all year and then WrestleMania and SummerSlam building him up? Probably not. So I, this match just didn't, it didn't do anything. It was, a, it was a stupidly booked title change to put the titles on Braun and Seth in the first place. And then they, they stupidly booked their way out of this uh them being the champions by accomplishing really nothing. Like, what did their title run actually accomplish outside of Braun wanted the the Universal title, but he'd already signaled he wanted the Universal title be beforehand. It, just a dumb title reign. Yeah, I agree. I was I was actually hoping your idea was going to come true because I did like the idea of finding a way to add the other teams in and then someone else taking the fall, and that would have worked well, but. Uh, yeah, they just uh, kind of went status quo with it, and again, it was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. It's just, it, I don't know, for like the main pay-per-view opener, it didn't really light my world on fire. It made sense to open with it because Seth and Braun were going to wrestle again later in the evening, but just just didn't do a lot for me. Like, a perfectly fine wrestling match, and that's okay, but would have liked something a little hotter to open the show. I didn't even care that it was 
not that hot. I just I wanted something that didn't insult me with the, the booking of it. Um, I hope Robert Roode gets a, a world title, a universal title shot out of this. I mean, he pinned the champion. Shouldn't he get a title shot on Raw tomorrow night or a triple threat match with Ziggler in there or something? Like, if, if you're going to do something like this, I, I feel you have to continue to play that rude pin the universal champion okay it was miscommunication or whatever but he still pinned the champion he should get a title shot i i hope they have some type of follow-up with that i'm waiting for that to be ignored but it would be nice if they actually followed up because it wouldn't make sense i mean it's just it's just going to be a tv defense i mean it's not going to hurt anything it's not like rude's bad put him in there let him have a 10 minute match seth beats him clean no big deal you know it's just follow up on exactly it, so I exactly def- i definitely agree with that Okay, so uh, next up we have uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Bailey defeated Charlotte in three minutes and fifty-five seconds via pin. Um, they were having a match. Charlotte was controlling most of the way. Bailey ended up exposing the buckles, slammed Charlotte's face into it, and pinned her. Slick little heel win. Bailey bolted after the match. <laughs> Which was great. I did love that little that touch. That ruled. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was 3 minutes 55 seconds. It was perfectly okay for the time it lasted. I did think it was a fine heel win for Bailey, which makes sense. And again, loved her bolting after the match. So, um, yeah, Bailey retaining, I think, was the right call here, as we talked about in the preview. It, it The booking made sense. Bailey outsmarting Charlotte in this um, manner definitely made sense and added to her character. And the 40-yard the dash afterward was fantastic. So I loved everything about this. It's not going to win match of the year awards or anything. But from a, a booking perspective and what they were trying to accomplish, I, I thought it accomplished a lot of things. So I thought this was great. I also like the fact that they went with kind of like the uh... – the cheap shit heel thing, and they did it quickly. Because, like, when you do it after, like, a really long match, it feels really flat. And when you do it in a short match like this, it's kind of shocking. Especially because, you know, while Bailey did turn heel, she's never done, like, the shitty heel win. Right. So doing it quickly like that, I think, made sense. Plus, I don't think anybody expected Charlotte to lose in under four minutes in her hometown. Well... She was in her hometown, so she she got the Cedric treatment. I mean, yeah, she named she, herself after the hometown. But she's not Cedric, though. She's Charlotte, man. I mean, she she's like doesn't the, matter. Look, when you go to your hometown, doesn't matter who you are. You're getting buried, son. Pretty much. So we stick with SmackDown, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Revival defeated the New Day to win the titles. Ten minutes and five seconds via submission. Jeremy, I go to you for your thoughts first. Match was really good, and then the the finish happened. And I don't have an issue with the actual like submission finish, but it just the setup took so long, and the crowd just didn't care after the shatter machine. And then they, you know, were like, "Oh, attack the knee!" Like, just do the inverted figure four spot. Like, you don't have to like expose his leg and all this other stuff it just the setup was so long that it completely killed the heat on the finish um but prior to that like it was it was really good new day's awesome revival's awesome they they know how to work the the tag formula so and, and i like the title change because i 
I like the revival and the new day. Like they're always going to be over. You can always go back to them at any point. The revival, they've been really good with Randy Orton. It's been a hot stable. And so I think they've really earned this title run. Hopefully they, they keep the belts for a little while and have, a nice extended reign even go back keep keep with the new day feud because there's still life in that but match was good i didn't i didn't mind the finish i didn't like how long it took to kind of set up that spot was all yeah yeah the finish definitely came off oddly because you know like they, they took out biggie on the floor with a shatter machine and then they chop block woods's knee they hit shatter machine on him and then, like, time stood still as they were talking about going after the knee. And then they locked on the submission for the win. And it was like, yeah, I just kind of wish they would have went into it or just pinned them. I mean, just if you're doing the title change anyway. I, I understand going for the knee because it was established because of the angle heading into it. But just, yeah, it came off oddly. I did think it was really good. I do really like the title change. I liked that it wasn't a a very by-the-numbers tag match because it wasn't like, you know, like Shine, Heat, Comeback, and everything. It was They mixed it up a little bit. I thought the Revival dismantling the New Day by not only taking apart Woods' knee and then taking out the bigger man to focus on the weaker, smaller man was really smart, and now the Revival have won the NXT Raw and Smack Team tag, uh, SmackDown Tag Team titles, so a uh, nice little accomplishment for them. And yeah, I do like the title change. I've loved their, uh, their little trio with Orton. And I don't know how much further that's going to go because we'll talk about Randy Orton later. So, but yeah, I, I agree. I liked it. Thought it was really good. So we move on to the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Title Match: Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating Fire and Desire at eight minutes and five seconds via pin. Jeremy, what did you think of this one? I learned that Sonya is the fire, or Sonya is the desire, and Mandy is the fire. I definitely thought that was flipped, but if you listen to their intro. Sonya says fire and Mandy I'm already screwing it up because I think it's the other way. Sonya says desire and Mandy says fire. Okay. Did you know this, Larry? I did not. You learn All something right. new every day on this show, Jeremy. Uh the match was match was good. Like it, it was good. I didn't have much expectations going in. I thought Mandy and Alexa worked really hard. Um Nikki Cross worked really well too with her uh babyface fire and Finish was good. I like the little 24-7 spot in there and Alexa going after the title because why shouldn't she? Um, and yeah, the 24-7 title was defended on this show. Uh, yeah, a good little tag team match. And this this is what the division needed, whether you like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross as a team or not. Uh, Alexa is going to make those titles feel important because she's going to be on every show. She's going to be in multiple segments or at least one big talking segment and a match. And so the, the titles have felt meaningful again. And Alexa and Nikki have, have made it that way. Yeah, I agree with that. Alexa and Nikki are a fun combo because of the whole angle they did leading up to their title win. Um, I, I just, I enjoy the pairing. I think it's fun. I like Mandy and Sonya a lot. I think they have a lot of potential. And I thought the match was really solid. You know, nothing wrong with it. Um, just a little disjointed here and there, but nothing bad. It wasn't like it was sloppy and like botched spots. It was just slightly off at a couple points. But yeah, um, I think it was the expected finish. And uh, yeah, they, they retain and they're going to move on as champions. I'm going to be interested to see who they actually can pair up to start 
you know, challenging them. And now with NXT on Wednesdays as a two-hour property coming up here, it would be nice if they can work somebody in NXT up to challenge them like they rumored that they were going to do at the beginning of the women's tag titles to actually have it defended on all three brands because I think that would be a lot of fun. They, I, the one spot I really liked was the high-low spot. I think Manny throws a, a good little knee. Um, she throws a hell of a V trigger, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, she does. Yeah. She looks really. The best part is, is it, it not only looks great, like it kills somebody, but she's like fucking graceful as hell when she does it too. Yeah, like she's like I, I soaring really, through the air. I love it. I really like that spot, and it, it led to a, a good finish. Outside of the commentary, you know when it's not a finish because commentary just fucking spoils it. Um, but I, I like that spot, and I'm with you that. They got to get some challengers. They've got teams. They've got plenty of women on the roster that could pair up and throw together and make this happen. It's just a matter of putting the effort into it. I think they need to establish that, you know, if the rosters are going to be exclusive, I don't know if these can be like the only floating titles, but maybe, maybe that's the way they'll go with it. Um, it's just it's weird to have the women's tag team titles as floating titles and everything else is uh, upon itself going to be brand exclusive. But we'll see what happens. I, I think if you do it as a floating, it kind of almost waters it down. And that might sound weird because you would think it would give it more prestige, but it waters it down simply because you can only do one feud at a time, at least in WWE. They're not going to put multiple feuds together and whatnot. So they're only going to be on one brand anyway, having a main feud. So anytime they just like show up on a different brand, you're not going to think much of it. So we'll see what happens with, with the belts, but as long as Alexa has them, then they'll, they'll have some type of meaning and, and some type of prestige. Yeah. And I know a lot of people don't like her and it's like, I, I get it. Cause they didn't like some of the title runs and all that. But the thing is, is like, whether you really like her or not, they have built her into a star. And she gets a reaction, and when she's on the shows, she gets, like you said, multiple segments a lot of times. And her having these titles now, it's like, no offense, is way better than the Iconics having them. Definitely. And, I mean, I love the Iconics and their backstage videos, but that's all they were, were backstage videos. Exactly. Uh, moving on, Intercontinental title match. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated The Miz at nine and a half minutes via pin. I thought they had a pretty good match. A little too much bullshit with Sammy. I thought hurt it. Um, but I thought they largely worked well together. And uh, Nakamura retaining, I thought, was going to be the call. And with the Sammy interference, I think I talked about in the preview that I could see Miz having to, feed, having to beat Sammy on TV to get another title shot down the line. So at least that if they did the interference to do that, it makes sense. I enjoyed the match. I thought it was... Um pretty good I, I yeah the sammy stuff hurt it a little bit but i like miz grabbing the microphone and chucking it up the ramp at one point oh, that was a fantastic spot um my my problem with this is miz is just dead as a baby face i i don't want him getting another shot i don't care if he beats sammy first off i don't even want sammy like wrestling i like him and i know that's his Sounds weird to say because Sammy is one of the better wrestlers in the company, but I like him as just Shinsuke's mouthpiece right now. And I kind of hope that just kind of continues for a little bit because Sammy just gets beaten like a drum anyway. And I want him to just 
not have to wrestle and not lose and they can just build him as the continued mouthpiece and Shinsuke be his his killer. Miz is just dead as a baby face though. This guy hasn't won any big matches on pay-per-view. He he beat I guess Dolph Ziggler at the night after Ziggler got killed by Goldberg to earn this title shot. Like he hasn't beaten anybody. He's I had hopes for this babyface turn. The Shane McMahon feud did him no favors. Then he was off TV or off pay-per-views. It's just, it's not doing anything for me, Larry. It's okay, Jeremy. I've been told he's going to get his revenge on Shane McMahon and become a big babyface star. And I guess they gave that spot to Chad Gable, which I'm completely fine with. Um, I'd rather Chad Gable get that spot than The Miz, and I like The Miz, but... Yeah, that feud just killed him as a babyface, completely killed him, and then they did nothing to rehab his image. Yeah, and that's a shame, too, because it's like, I think Miz has done really well as a babyface in terms of, like, delivering his on his portion of it. But, yeah, they, the booking is for him has just been horrible. He's just, there, there's, I find it almost impossible to care about the guy, and I like the Miz, but it's like the booking just... They've done nothing to make me want to see him succeed. And he's a good talker, he's a good wrestler, but you've got to have some type of booking behind you to to make me care. Yeah. And people are to go like, "Well, part of being a babyface is losing and overcoming." But when you get made to look like an idiot month after month for the most part, no, that's not part of it. Exactly. He's not overcoming anything. He just looks like a a, a geek. Yeah. So we'll move on to something much better now, the Raw Women's Championship match. Sasha, Sasha Banks defeated Becky Lynch in 16 minutes via disqualification. I thought uh, this was really good. I thought they worked really well together. I was enjoying this. I thought it had good intensity. The crowd was into it. We ended up getting the DQ finish when Sasha brought a chair in. Becky took it away. Ended up accidentally hitting the ref. That led to a big brawl in the crowd, which I thought came off really well. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, it all made sense to set up a rematch next month, possibly in Hell in a Cell, which would play well off of the feud. But I thought this was, um, for the most part, I think for the most, yeah, for, I would call this the best match on the show up until this point, and I thought it had the most heat out of anything on the show too as well. Definitely. I, I said it in the preview. I thought this match should close the show because it felt like the hottest match coming in. Obviously, if you're going to do a DQ finish, there's a reason why this match didn't close the show. Um, but it, it was the hottest match coming into this show. And the, the crowd responded accordingly because they they were hotter for this than anything on the show. They worked really hard. They worked a good match. They had the right intensity. I don't mind the DQ finish because... And Becky, you could have beaten her. I don't think you could have beaten Sasha at this point. So if you do a DQ finish, you you set it up. You set up the rematch for Hell in a Cell, as you said, maybe inside the Hell in a Cell. And it wasn't some like bullshit DQ finish where somebody was kicking too much ass or some heel took the cheap way out or anything like that. Like it was a believable, protective DQ finish where it's like, all right, they hit the ref, and then they're like, well, fuck it, let's just keep fighting each other. And so that's what they did. Um, I loved everything about this. It was great, and I look forward to the continuation of this feud. Yeah, and this, to me, I'd much rather see this in Hell in a Cell than, like, another fucking Kofi Kingston-Randy Orton match. Oh, we gotta be done with this feud. Which we'll, we're we'll talk about in a talk second. About but... WWE champion Kofi Kingston 
Defeated Randall K. Orton at 21 minutes via pin. Jeremy, let me ask you a question. Was this match, was there a personal issue heading into this match? Allegedly. Did Randy Orton bring in Kofi Kingston's family and try to be a complete asshole? Reportedly. Did Kofi Kingston put Randy Orton through a table on SmackDown? Visually. Okay. So in theory, this is supposed to be a highly personal match with big stakes with the WWE Championship on the line. Orton brought Kofi's family into it. Said Kofi's a shit champion and doesn't deserve anything. Kofi put him through a table and embarrassed him. So what do they do after all of this good build that I actually enjoyed on TV? The bell rings and they start with a crisp lockup. Because it's a professional grappling match. It's... Oh my god. Uh, Look, th- this is what we we talked about in the preview, and it's that Randy Orton has one style, one pace, and he's not getting away from that. And even though this would be the time to get away from that, Randy doesn't give a fuck at this point. And la- like the last match against Kofi at SummerSlam, when I-, I had high hopes for it because I thought, like, all right. Yeah, Randy works his style as pace. This is the feud he's going to get up for, though. Once he showed he wasn't getting up for it at SummerSlam, he wasn't getting up for it at Clash of Champions either. So this was exactly what we all feared and expected it to be. It went too long. The crowd didn't really care. The finish was cool. I liked the finish. Uh, It took way too long to get there. I really hope they're done with this feud. Like He beat him clean. I don't know how you go back to this feud. They have to be done. But yeah, they they worked. And let me, let me get this straight because I know people always, you know, they're going to, oh, you just want Randy to do flips. No. I want Randy Orton to work a different match than he's worked for the past, like, how many ever fucking years he's been working the same match. You know, they, they worked the standard Orton match. They didn't set the proper tone at all at the beginning with the lockup. And it just went downhill from there. Where was Kofi's thirst for revenge? Where was Orton's desire to prove himself right and to win the title, actually? And then, worst of all, it came off even worse because you were coming off of the heated Becky and Sasha segment. So this felt like a heatless house show match post-intermission and was a complete disappointment as a world title match. Technically, the work, yes, was perfectly solid, but they never got past solid. Kofi continues his run of underwhelming title matches. He's not bad, but there's been nothing in this reign outside of winning the title that makes you care about it. None of the challengers have felt like a threat. None of the matches have stood out. And working the long Randy Orton formula where Orton largely dominates and Kofi pulls out another miracle win, praise Jesus, doesn't do anything. Number one, Please move on from this feud. Jeremy, here's the next question, or the, here's the question I have for you. Is it time to pull the plug on the Kofi Kingston title run? I think so, and I hate to say it because the WrestleMania moment will probably go down as the best moment of the year. Um, I mean, even topping the, the Becky Lynch moment for me, like that, that Kofi moment was, was so magical with the, the story and the match and everything, but the, his reign, he's booked well, he, he really is booked well, like he's winning matches, he's winning a lot of matches, 
he, he took some, I guess he took a fall in like a two out of three falls nonsense that they were doing for that two or three weeks, which was dumb. Um, but like he, he's winning all of these big matches. He's very well protected. His promo work is good. The, the feuds, the actual like stories in these feuds aren't that bad. It's just the matches are just not delivering like the kevin owens matches weren't good the Dolph ziggler matches weren't good the randy orton matches haven't been good and and when i say not good fine from a technical standpoint they've all been fine but they have largely gone too long they've largely been the same formula and they've largely just had the the exact same issues And, and the crowd just hasn't cared for most of them and i think that's a shame because kofi deserves better as far as just booking and match quality and we know kofi can be better but he this is just the the style that these guys want to work or he's told to work or he wants to work whatever it is it's not working and i i think he loses it on the the first smackdown on fox episode i think he goes into that because that's the next big show i don't think they pulled the the title off of him prior to that but if you want to show like, hey, this show is going to mean something, that's that's the way to do it. Like you, you book a big title change on the first show. Who does he drop it to though? Roman. Roman just lost tonight, dude. I don't see that. So anymore. I don't care. It's Roman. I, I'd really like to say like Brock. I, I think you just drop it to Brock because people might get mad at that, but fuck it. It's, it's Brock. Um, I don't know who he drops it to. I think Roman just sort of makes the most sense. And, and it doesn't have to be Roman pinning Kofi one-on-one. Uh, yeah, Roman, from a storyline perspective, doesn't seem to make sense because he lost and he's in this feud with the Bludgeon Brothers and whatnot. But he'll beat them in a handicap match soon enough and he'll get his title shot. Put it, on, put it back on Brian, damn it. Yeah, I, I like Kofi a lot. I agree with you. The Mania moment was absolutely great, and the match was really great. I loved it. But despite the fact that he has been booked well when he wins matches and everything, it's just this run hasn't worked, man. I mean, and, like, the worst part about it was, like, even coming out, like, these guys, like, the, the alarming lack of reaction for both guys coming out was just, that was not good. Like, Kofi came out, and it was like, yay, the pancake guy's here. Yeah, I I noticed that as well, that he just, there was no real big pop. I don't think the crowd was great tonight, and that's, you know, you blame that on whatever you want to. But the North Carolina crowds are usually pretty solid and they they got up for for certain stuff. They they certainly did not get up for, for this match, though. Yeah, um, a big disappointment for me. I was, I was hoping for more, I, and like, yeah, it went too long. I just, I wanted more. I thought they could do more, but yeah, like you said, Randy, Randy really is. He's like forty years old. He doesn't give a shit. He he works what he wants to work, and he just goes out there, and I guess that's fine. But it's not making for great pay per view matches, and I just. I, I would love for the guy to step out of his comfort zone every once in a while. Because I don't think he's a bad wrestler by any means, man. But this 
this did not do it in any way. I, I wanted some heat. I wanted some emotion. I wanted some fire from both guys. And we got a professional grappling contest with Randy's regular spots on the floor and Kofi coming from behind to pick up the miracle win again, which we've seen in every one of his matches. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we'll see. I think Kofi, I think Kofi's got about two more weeks as champion. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind them doing the change on the first one. They need to do something because it's just... Unfortunately, the Kofi thing just, it is not working. It was a great moment. It was a great chase. It was a great story. But you've heard this before, probably. Some guys are just better in the chase role than as the champion. And unfortunately, I think Kofi has kind of fallen into that. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like it. And again, I he's booked well. I don't mind the, the feuds. And but the the matches just haven't been there for whatever reason. They, they just have not been good. Certainly not WWE title level matches. No. So we move on to no disqualification match. Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan. Now the story behind this one, Jeremy, is if you recall, was Rowan allegedly, supposedly tried to kill Roman Reigns on several occasions. So guess what? Roman Reigns didn't wait for the bell. He didn't work a crisp lock up. He attacked him on the floor and tried to beat the living shit out of him to begin. It's not that hard to start a match properly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, if there's a you know if there's a blood feud, then you attack the motherfucker who tried to kill you. So uh, Eric Rowan ended up defeating Roman Reigns 17 minutes and 20 seconds when Luke Harper made his return from exile, where there are apparently no gems. Because he probably thought he wasn't coming back. And they probably called him yesterday and said, you're coming back. Uh, They beat the shit out of Roman. And uh, the big claw slam finished it for Rowan. And uh, yeah, Luke Harper is back. The Bludgeon Brothers have reunited. And uh, Roman Reigns took the L here in a no DQ match. Which at least made sense with the stipulation. So your thoughts. Roman can take losses and it's not going to really matter, um, you know, because he's not going to take many losses. So I, I thought this did wonders. I don't know about wonders, but I thought this was really good for Luke or for Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. But it, it was good for Rowan. He he kept up with Roman. Uh, they, they booked it fairly evenly. And in the end, uh, Rowan got to win. And sure, he needed Luke Harper's help. But. Who cares? Like he, he's a heel, and they reunited the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, Luke Harper's back. I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Luke Harper. I think he he he's a good worker. He's an underrated talker. I liked when the Bludgeon Brothers like they were a really strong tag team, and who knows what their reign would have been had the injuries not occurred because it seemed like they were gonna just run through everyone, but then the injuries happened, and so they just put the titles on New Day, and then you know everything after that kind of happened. Glad Luke Harper is back. Interested to see where Daniel Bryan fits in because he has not been on television since. Uh, Rowan kind of decimated him. So, uh, you know, is Daniel Bryan still the mastermind behind this? Or is Rowan, Daniel Bryan told us the man is an intellectual genius. Is Rowan truly like that intellectual level? So we'll see where Bryan fits in. Maybe we get a, a Bryan and Roman tag team or something. They they got some ways to, to go with this. And I, you know, people are like, okay, why is it Rowan? Why is it uh, Luke Harper, like these guys don't 
Uh, they don't scream like superstar, but hey, they're they're new in this position. People have wanted them to be pushed and done more with ever since they were the Wyatt family. So I don't have a lot to complain about with this. I thought this was was it the best match in the world? No. Did everything make sense and did it did it feel a little bit different? They did the crowd brawling with Sasha and Becky, but for the most part, it felt different, and they they got a hot angle out of it with the Luke Harper return. Yeah, um, I also am very excited to see Luke Harper back because I'm a big fan of his. Uh, hopefully, he'll have a nice run until whenever his contract is up, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, well, far from perfect, I thought they played the stipulation and off of the angle well. At least there was some intensity to it, and they were, you know, Roman was actually looking like he was trying to get revenge on a man that tried to kill him. So that was good. A match had its moments, a little uneven at times. Started really well. I thought they lost the crowd a little bit in the middle. But overall, I think it accomplished its goals. I thought it was good. And yeah, Roman Roman can lose here. It was a no-DQ match. It wasn't like one of those bullshit, shitty like losses. like Kind of like the, the Miz loss, where it's just like the, the constant interference on the stretch type thing. This made sense. Played to the stipulation. And yeah, Roman lost, but he lost to two giant dudes. So it's okay. And like I said, there's a lot of ways to go. I could definitely see them booking Roman and Brian versus these guys for the next pay-per-view or TV, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I thought it was good. I mean, again, not great, not match of the night or anything, but good. So that brings us to our main event, Jeremy, the Universal Championship match. Seth Rollins defeated Braun Strowman at 10.55 via pin. Your thoughts, sir? And I thought they telegraphed this finish because Rollins took the pinfall earlier. Match was good. It was fine. Uh, Braun, thank God he did not lose his balance on the top rope because that did not look good. But then they, when he actually jumped, his splash looked pretty nice, actually. I thought he had good form. Uh, tweaked his knee to you know, play into that whole story. And uh, I don't know what they're doing with Braun. Honestly, the the guy just gets beat in these universal title matches. And I know they're doing their best to protect him. Like it took four stomps and a pedigree to put him down. And it's like, well, he, you know, he he took everything Rollins had and he kept coming. But then he hurt his knee off of the splash. And the, so Rollins had to hit him with even more. He had to dig deep with the pedigree, which puts everybody down. And But at the same time, like, this guy just keeps losing these title matches and I can't take him serious when he gets into this position. And I think that's kind of unfortunate Rollins wins and I expected, I feel like uh, this was mainly about the, the post-match angle with the fiend. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good as well. It was a very Paul Heyman style main event, big moves, big spots, high impact in a quick fashion, booked in the style of the Rollins Brock matches uh, I think it worked because it largely covered up Braun's shortcomings, and it was good, but not like main event quality. You know, like I, I expect a little more from the main event, but I mean, could have been a lot worse. I mean, they could have worked a slow plotting main event with, you know, lots of rest holds and just bullshit to where like nobody cared. But they tried to keep the energy up, and like you said, it was more about the post match angle. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell. Yeah, Braun just feels so dead as a challenger. They've, you know, they they heat them up here and there, and it works to a degree. But then it's also like, yeah, like it works to a degree. But do you really care? Do you really buy him winning? 
Um, I would not be surprised to see him end up on SmackDown away from the Universal title for a while to maybe get rebuilt up many months down the line um, for a championship match. They need to do something with him. Because, um, like, it's not like Braun's bad. But, like you said, it's hard to get really invested in him. And oh, he's good. He's gotten, himself, he's gotten himself into tremendous shape. He The crowd mainly likes him, but... At the same time, they just don't buy him on that level, and there's a reason for that. So, yeah, get him away from Raw. Get him on SmackDown. He'll he'll just feel fresh being on SmackDown because he's been on Raw for pretty much the majority of his run. I can't think of Braun Strowman doing a whole lot on SmackDown. I'm, I'm really not sure how often he's appeared on that show. So just being on a different show will, will make him feel a little bit fresher. Yeah, and then the post-match angle, as you mentioned, was The Fiend arriving and laying out Seth Rollins with Sister Abigail on the stage, allegedly, allegedly supposedly, because it was really dark and stroby. But uh, that was the big post-match angle to set up the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, he warned. It was advertised by the arena. It was teased during Firefly Funhouse, and now they're going to shove money into Vince's mouth. That's right. So there you go. That is WWE Clash of Champions 2019. Overall thoughts on the show, Jeremy. Good, bad, what'd you think? Good, but like just good. I wouldn't say anything more than that. The they ended strong with the the two post match angles. I guess the the one was technically an in in match angle with Luke Harper. But the Luke Harper return was good. Uh the 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 fiend appearance was good. I like that they did the you know, show ending, watch WWE Chronicle next, and then The Fiend attacks, because we, we talk about all the, that all the time with NXT, and NXT hasn't done it in a while. Uh, so it was good to see WWE do that and, and establish that uh, trend right there to where it's like, all right, you can't, you know, can't really go away when, when you think you can go away. Something might happen afterwards. I like that little gimmick, um, and they, they don't overplay it too much. Beware the lower third, brother. It's never over. That's right. So I like that. But like match quality wise, I, Becky and Sasha was the best thing on the show and it was good. The The DQ finish hurts it from like a match quality perspective, even though it made sense in, in the context of the story. So I don't knock it quite as much for that. But at the same time, it's tough to have like a, a classic match if you if you don't have a clean finish or somewhat clean finish and you have a DQ finish. Like I can't think... Like nothing on this show was like memorable from hey that was a really great match but they had memorable moments and that's what WWE does they they create moments we make movies brother that's so, right but no I, I thought the Becky and Sasha stuff was the best thing on the show overall was a combined segment I thought the match was really good and you, you can't if you weren't doing the title change you cannot beat Sasha here just coming back would have made absolutely no sense. So if they're going to do the rematch next month, hopefully in Hell in a Cell, I think that makes a lot of sense. We'll see what happens, but I really enjoyed that. And speaking of Becky, breaking news on the Twitter machine, Becky Lynch <laughs> has been fined $100,000 for striking the official during her match. $10,000. Come 10, on now. Oh, damn it. I thought it was 100000 I was going to say, trying to pull damn. more money. You're trying to pull more money out of the man's pockets. Damn right. I, I thought it said a hundred. That was my fault. But yeah, it's uh I was like, damn, they're getting they're getting rough with their suspension fines. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally striking an official gets you a ten thousand dollar fine. That sucks. Gotta have some fucking self control, Jeremy. This this isn't the the asylum here, okay? 
Uh, Becky can pay that off. She main evented WrestleMania. I think I think she'll be okay. Seth Seth is making plenty of money too. I don't know if they got joint bank accounts yet, but I'm pretty sure they'll be fine. I'm sure if I, judging by that relationship, she's probably gonna make Seth pay, which good for her. <laughs> so uh, Jeremy, obviously, some of the big news last week was the uh, Anthem Entertainment acquisition of Access TV. Uh, we talked about that, what it's going to mean for Impact Wrestling, what it's going to mean for the station. Uh, a couple things this week. They did announce that Impact Wrestling, following Bound for Glory, will be moving to Access TV, which obviously was the big goal of the acquisition. But no date or time was announced. Uh, I contacted the Access TV PR folks. They told me more announcements will be coming, and that's all they gave me. So it's a waiting game right now. So, obviously, Impact moving to Access TV. Jeremy, I don't know about you, but the first thing I'm doing if I'm them, I'm getting them the fuck off of Friday night. Yeah, we, we discussed it when the move happened. Like, going to Access was obviously going to happen. Like, I don't know why this is a big deal. Like, that Impact is moving to Access. Like, no shit. This was the whole point of you buying a majority stake in this uh, television brand because you wanted to put your show on it until they give us a date and time. I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like there's a shit ton to talk about because it, we, we said it Tuesdays seems like the, the best deal. I think they'd be foolish not to run Tuesdays or Thursdays. You don't want to go up against any of the WWE or AEW shows. You, you don't want to stay on Friday nights, especially at 10 o'clock. Like, or would you bury your own promotion then? You don't even want to do like Saturday nights because AEW is going to run pay-per-views. There's going to be takeovers. You're running up against UFC a lot of times then. So I, I don't even think Saturday night is like a good night. Just do Tuesdays or Thursdays and that's that. Yeah, I, I right now I'm, I'm leaning towards Tuesday because you're going to avoid NFL for now. And um, you know, I I know there's gonna be NBA on Tuesdays too, but you're gonna avoid uh, you'll avoid NBA later on a lot of bigger Thursday games. So I yeah, Tuesday or Thursday, but I'm I'm leaning towards Tuesday. Um, but they need to get off of Friday. I think it'd be horrible to piggyback off of SmackDown because you're hoping that people are gonna watch SmackDown and then watch you. And there's a lot of people that I already know that are talking about that they have no desire to watch Friday Night SmackDown because it's on Friday night and they want to go do shit. As you said, Saturday makes absolutely no sense because of AEW pay-per-views and takeover events. And to a smaller degree, ROH runs a fair amount on Saturday. So you want to stay away from that. <laughs> well, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. You don't College to... football matters sure. more than all of that. I'm just talking in the wrestling context. You don't want anything that might split your audience. You want to stay away from any other wrestling promotions, period. Um, ROH and Impact are going to split the 20 fans they have now on Saturday. Ouch. <laughs> Jeremy going crazy. Dude, then. you you foolishly watched. I know you, had, you did it because you're a crazy person. You watched that fucking Twitch show they did on Friday night in front of 20 people. Oh my god, like, this is why Impact getting on Access, like, seems like a cool idea, and it's better for them than being on Pursuit and stuff. This company is just dead cold, like, it does not matter if they're on Access right now. People still will have to want to find this show, and right now, I don't think many people want to find this show. 
Hey, that show included a, a SmackDown 2006 mid-card classic <laughs> between Chavo Guerrero and MVP. Actually, I got to see that match both fucking nights, and it sucked both nights. I, I don't get it. I, yeah, I, I tuned in, and I watched it, and I saw that there was like 20 people in the crowd, and I was just like, yeah, this company's doing well. Well, the best part was someone tried to say that, oh, you know what? They're doing just as good as, as ROHs. It's like, listen, ROH numbers are down, but the spect- Spectacular Tour, they drew five and 600 fans on those three shows. So there was like, from, from all live reports I heard, I think there was like 100 people at that Friday Twitch show. And it they, looked they like lied it. There's 100 people. <laughs> they were counting people twice if you got 100 out of that. Maybe. I'm just talking about from live reports. Though, so I don't know because I wasn't obviously counting because I was a little busy reviewing it. But uh, And then the other, the other thing that just cracked me up were people talking about like, it's okay that it was a bad show because it was free. No. Okay. No, that is not okay. Do you know why it's not okay? Because here's the thing. Your company profile absolutely sucks right now. And if you want to get people to watch it, if somebody comes along this Twitch show and goes, oh, Impact Wrestling for free, maybe I'll watch it. I don't know what the likelihood of that is, but let's say that happens, right? And you put on a shitty show. What is going to be the chance that they ever tune back in? It's like if you go to Sam's Club, man, and they're giving out free samples, and you stop by and grab a Swedish meatball, and it tastes like a pile of shit. Are you going to buy the Swedish meatballs? No. It failed in its goal if the sample was bad. Just because it's free does not mean it's okay for it to be bad. And then I got the other one. Well, you can't expect every show to be good. Actually, in 2019, with the way wrestling is, yeah, I can't expect shows to be good because they usually are. So don't give me that bullshit. If it's free, you should want to put on a better show. Like, I don't buy... Like, Raw and and SmackDown are free every week. Does that... And, you know, Pete, no one says, oh, don't expect a good show. It's free, you know? It gets criticized when it sucks. And then no one uses this, well, it's free. What do you expect excuse? Like, if it's free you should want to put on a good show. So if people do by chance tune in, they're like, oh, I'll actually watch this stuff. I saw the, I don't know if it was a criticism, but the the point of defense of, well, they work with these smaller companies to see like who's ready for television and stuff. And like that one, I understand better than the, the whole free thing because yeah, they did have guys on there that you, you don't necessarily have heard of. You see kind of ch- like a tryout opportunity kind of thing. But if you're going to do that, don't give me Chavo against MVP in 2019. Yeah, and overall, pick better guys because the only one that was really worth anything on those shows was Fuego Del Sol was really good, and then everybody else was just a, a warm body pretending to be a wrestler. So yeah, it's a uh, yeah. So anyway, back to the Axis stuff. Uh, one of the uh, a big move this week, Jeremy, was the fact that uh, live MMA is done on Axis TV. Yeah, um, not great for the MMA on access stuff, obviously. I remember covering some of those shows, like the the Legacy Fighting Championships, and that was the big one that, you know, once that one, uh, it was reported that they're not doing LFA on access anymore. It's like, ooh, this is probably over. But they, they had some good shows back when, 
MMA wasn't so, you know, you couldn't watch a show every, the UFC wasn't watering down their product by running an event every week. And then Dana White's contender series and looking for a fight and everything like those access shows actually felt somewhat important in Bellator now is running like two shows every week and shit. So those access shows used to feel really important. Nowadays it's just like, well, it's another MMA show and UFC, like they sign everybody even guys who aren't ufc caliber guys so those those access shows didn't even feel like oh this guy's really good maybe he could make it into the ufc it's like eh, if you haven't been discovered by the ufc in like your fifth fight then you, you're probably not gonna make it because they they'll sign anybody at this point yeah, MMA was a big part of that network for a long time. Like, I know uh, Ron Kruk got the axe after like 15 years uh, as well with the MMA disappearing there. So, yeah, you know, more cuts to the network coming. And then I guess the final thing is, is like, you know, Ed Ed Nordholm, uh commented on New Japan Pro Wrestling, didn't exactly give it a vote of confidence. Like, we're 100% keeping him and look forward to working with him. It's just like, the Fight Network has had a relationship with us, IETV, and you know, blah, 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 and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and, you know, we'll talk to them, and blah, blah, blah. And it was, like, very non-committal. So, uh, who knows what's going to happen in terms of, you know, New Japan does have a deal with them through 2020, 2021, depending on who you believe. Um, so, in theory, they should be fine, but uh, not exactly a vote of confidence for them or the women of wrestling stuff that's running on there. I guess we'll see what happens. Obviously, a lot of changes is going to happen, but uh, dropping the MMA is a little bit of a scary proposition, I think, just uh, because of they're axing a lot of stuff, and that's uh, I don't know what that's going to mean for just the overall growth of that network because that was a kind of a big part of the network for a long time. This is exactly what they did to the fight network yeah. is it's the fight network. So you should have like fights, fights and and sports entertainment and, you know, that kind of action on your network. And they're like, eh, we'll get rid of all this shit. And like access is it's become a home for combat sports fans with their MMA events and New Japan and women of wrestling and, and now impact. It's like, Hey, this network could be like a cool combat sports type network and, and throw in some Sammy Hagar stuff. But like, that's what this network could be. And instead they're like, yeah, we're just gonna, it's just gonna kind of be the impact network and we'll throw in our fishing shows that we had on pursuit and stuff. Like it just, it doesn't, this is why I don't have any faith in the deal because I don't have any faith in Anthem. I, I think it's run by by morons, to be honest. So yeah. it, it's fine for Impact. They'll they'll get a better television spot out of it. But it's like if that was the goal out of all this, I feel like you need to aim higher than getting Impact a better television slot because we've seen them in better television spots and it doesn't last long and it doesn't really actually boost the company or make the company profitable in any way. You, you actually acquired a network that has some visibility that has some good things going for it. And it's like, eh, we're going to get rid of all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, we got a little bit of heat. I saw from the way we discussed it last week because everybody, people thought we were being negative on impact. It's not so much for being negative on impact. We're negative on Anthem. We don't trust Anthem. They have a sketchy business history. You look at what they did with the Fight Network. And that's what we're talking about. 
they let go of tons of great people at the Fight Network, and you know, to their credit, a lot of them moved on to better things afterwards. And then they like I I question some of the stuff they've done already with Access TV, like some of the names we talked last week that they got rid of that were great in their PR roles, which that company desperately needs. So yeah, I worry about it's not that like oh boo impact. No, I worry about Anthem. I I don't trust that management and ownership, and we'll see what happens. I hope it works out well for Impact, but. God only knows, right? Look, Impact's going to be fine. They're getting a, a better time slot out of this on a bigger network, and Impact is never going to die. We're going to be 80 years old discussing Impact, and you know they're putting on a show in front of 15 people, and, and they're still around for some reason. But I- Impact is fine. Uh, it's just I, I, th- I feel like Impact fans should want more for their company and they should want more from the owners of their company to actually boost the the profile of the company overall like it doesn't boost the profile of the company if they keep gutting good good things for them it that doesn't speak well for impact like if their whole goal is just to keep impact alive i, I just feel like you should have higher goals if you're anthem because <laughs> I almost feel like anybody can keep impact alive. You can give impact to us and we'll somehow keep it alive, even though we don't know what we're doing with, with wrestling companies. Um, but impact's just not going to die. So have bigger goals, actually turn access into a network where it's like, Oh, I want to see this network. I want to watch other stuff on this network and, you know, make money. Shouldn't you be doing this shit to make money? You're not making any money off of impact. You have to buy a network just to get a time slot for it. Yeah. Can't afford water at, at the fucking shows. And that's the other thing. People are like, well, they're, they're making money now. It's like, no, I'm like, technically you're not. You bought a network, which means you're going to put it on your own network, which means, yes, you may in theory get a little bit of ad revenue, but you're not getting TV rights fees, which is where the big money is these days, and that's what they desperately needed. Yes, the Access TV move is good. And, again, I'm I'm sick of hearing, like, well, the show is always solid to good, and yeah, it is. But like we talked about those ROH shows last weekend, they were good. But it's 2019. Solid is not acceptable anymore, and good is just not good enough with everything that's out there. There are way too many choices. And that goes for everybody. It goes for ROH, Impact, WWE, everybody out there. New Japan, everybody. You can't just be good. So, and real quick on the women of wrestling thing, I reviewed the Saturday show. Uh, really good match with Tessa Blanchard and uh, Serpentine, which is uh, used to be Cobra Moon uh, slash Thunder Rosa. I uh, really enjoyed that one. And uh, if you haven't seen that show, production is extremely amazing on that show. Like, again, it blows away ROH Impact and MLW in terms of overall production. Super clean, slickly shot show. Uh, overall, solid show. But uh, that was a really good uh, match, and Tessa, much like an impact, comes across as the biggest star in the company. So, good for her. Tessa's going to get paid when her deal is up. I hope she does. Shit, I hope everybody gets paid. That's like when we talked about LAX, and like, you know, Marty's stuff is coming up, dude. It's like, I want good, get paid. Make all your money. So... We're going to close out, Jeremy, by talking about the King of the Ring finals on Monday Night's Raw. Baron Corbin and Chad Gable, what is your pick? 
<laughs> Chad Gable would be the better story because it, it makes a guy who wasn't doing anything a month ago. And that's not, not quite the story of King of the Ring. Like they don't throw someone in there as cold as Chad Gable and have them win. But that, that sort of is the story of King of the Ring is you kind of have a guy who you're making him to be this, this bigger star and, and that would fit the bill for Gable. Corbin's been good in this tournament. I I don't think, I mean, you watch his matches. He has been good in these matches. I think the match will be good too because Corbin can work his style. Gable can, he's awesome. He, he bumps well. He can do a lot of cool athletic moves. Corbin, if nothing else, provides a strong base. Like we saw that with the, the Ricochet exchanges. Like Corbin and Ricochet had really good chemistry because Ricochet can work uh, his athletic style around him and Corbin can just be a base for him. And he can keep up. Like Corbin's kind of underrated athletically. I mean, the guy used to play professional football. So I don't know if he was a pro, but he used to play football. So he's got some athleticism in him. Um, I think it'll be a good match. I, I don't – if Baron Corbin wins, I'm actually for it because I think he would be a great heel with the gimmick, and typically heels win the thing. So Corbin – and he says he wants to wear a pinky ring if he wins and make people kiss it, and I'm all for this idea. I think in terms of angle, I think Corbin winning plays much better because – he would play to that gimmick. Like, the year Booker T won, I was all for Booker T winning because I thought he'd be a great character as the king. And we got King Booker out of it, and it was. He was great. And it made sense. I My fear is that if Chad Gable wins, that they're going to give him an oversized crown and a cape that's like seven sizes too big to make him look like a child. And just play into the whole stupid, oh, he's small, ha ha, gimmick. To whereas Corbin would just be a complete douchebag as the king. And I think that would work really well, honestly. And yeah, he's honestly been... I've said it before, I'm not a big Baron Corbin fan. And the thing is, like, some people are overstating it. Like, all of a sudden he's great. He's not great. But he has been good in the King of the Ring tournament. He's had good matches. He's worked to his strengths better. He's doing... And the thing is, is like, because he's not in a main event against Seth Rollins where he didn't belong... You know, he, he works well. He's working to his style. Like you said, some of the athletic stuff he's done, some of the basing he's done has all been really good. I think the Gable match will be good. I, I think so, because I think that you can work the big versus little guy formula well. I think it'll be enjoyable. If I'm picking just based off, like, the character style thing, I kind of think Corbin should win because there's more mileage in it. But if they're going to, like... Use it as a way to push Chad Gable into something like fun and important, and not to use it to have him wear an oversized cape and you know crown and shit. That'd be fine. I'm okay with either guy winning, but I think Corbin's honestly probably going to be the better call at the end of the day. I I want Baron Corbin on Raw with a pinky ring going around being like, "Kiss my pinky ring." The pinky ring thing does sound actually kind of great for him because he's such an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, and again, we're you know, like I said, if we're talking in terms of the gimmick, playing into the gimmick, it feels like very King Booker to me because Booker was so great at that. And sometimes it's more about just having the best character in that role. You know, like Bret Hart when he won it wasn't winning it to become quote unquote the king. Bret Hart wanted to win to be show that he was a great wrestler, which is what the Chad Gable win would be. Which again is fine because you can make that work. 
But if you're going just for character stuff and TV content, I think Corbin's going to be the guy. So I'm fine either way, but I think I'm picking Corbin. Yeah, I, I'm picking Corbin. Okay. And we close, Jeremy. Uh, NXT enters the two-hour era this week on Wednesday night. One hour on USA and then the second hour on the network for the these uh, first two weeks because of suits finishing up. We got a card. We got some interesting stuff. We have... The North American Championship match, your boy, the Velveteen Dream, defending against yeah. Roderick Strong in his shitty little boots. I tweeted this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to stand by it. If you turn on USA Network at 8 o'clock on Wednesday, and the first thing you see is Velveteen Dream, why would you watch any other wrestling company? Uh, we know this match is going to be on USA Network. I think you you open the show with it. You have Velveteen do his Velveteen Dream entrance. The whole thing, the match is going to be awesome because Dream rules, Roddy rules. Um, Roddy probably wins to to complete the prophecy, the undisputed prophecy, and that like that's fine. Um, but I'm looking forward to this match. You know they're going to get time, and again, like. If you just watch USA Network and Velveteen Dream is the first thing you see, why would you want to watch anything else? Because it's just all downhill after that. Yeah, um, I think definitely. I think it's a good one to have on the show for sure. There's a built-in story already. And uh, yeah, Velveteen Dream being like one of the first things they put out there would probably work really well. And honestly, I I think the title change makes sense because... You fulfill that prophecy, and the other thing is, is right away you make NXT on USA feel important by doing a title change. So I think we'll probably get that here, and I'd be all for it. And um, yeah, probably a really good to great match if they get the time, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're supposedly getting an NXT tag team title match as well between Undisputed Era and the Street Profits, Jeremy. I don't think this match is happening. Okay. I like WWE hasn't confirmed any of this match. I know that the, the street profits are like, Oh yeah, we want to show up and we're going to take back our titles. Usually if that happens, like WWE is like, they like to confirm everything and they're going to do it right away. They're going to promote it. Especially if it's like a, a tag team title match like this, you want to, you know, get that out there. They got three matches you know the North American title match is going to get time. The Fatal 4-Way is probably going to get time. And the Street Fight is probably going to get time. Like, they don't usually shortchange stuff on time. And you've only got that two hours less than with, with commercials. And you've obviously got your segments and stuff. So you add this match. you got to give it time because it's a tag team title match. I just don't think this match is actually going to be on this show if it, if it is and i'm wrong fine i'm wrong uh, i think undisputed era if, if the match happens undisputed era wins i just don't think this match is going to be on this show i think that's actually a fair assessment because they haven't confirmed it yet and i think that if you go ahead and you do the setup this week for the match have the street profits come out do their big challenge have undisputed come on and be like nah fuck you Regal comes out and he's like, listen, Sunshines, we're going to do this next week. Then you not only have a one-week build, but then you can have the Street Profits and their wacky talky segments on Raw also hyping the match for the next week on Raw in front of a bigger audience, which makes more sense to me. So, yeah, like you said, they haven't confirmed it and it doesn't make that much sense to do it right now, especially when you can build it up for week two or even week three. 
Exactly. You don't have anything for week two yet, and you know they're stacking the, these first few shows with a lot of good stuff. And like this show is already stacked. You don't need to throw on a tag team title match onto it as well when you can save it for week two or week three. So uh, you mentioned the women's fatal four-way number one contenders match. Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai, or as someone in WWE filled out copyright paperwork thinks, Lo Shirai versus Bianca <laughs> Belair versus Mia Yim. Who is walking out with the title shot, Jeremy? Oh, this is a tough one because Io is the best choice. But then if you're doing the match, you're getting heel versus heel. And I don't know how that plays. Mia Yim feels cold. So I feel like it comes down to Bianca and Candice. But then Candice and Io probably kind of take each other out a little. So I'm going to go with Bianca. I don't think there's a wrong choice out of this outside of Mia Yim. Shout out Stokely Hathaway. But I, I, I'm going to go with, with Bianca. Uh, fair assessment. I, I think, yeah, Candace and Io kind of taking each other out, I do think makes the most sense. Mia Yim, love her, but she's coming off a not very good match with Shayna, and like you said, feels really cold right now. So, but the other thing too is, is like, Bianca already had matches with, um, already had matches with Shayna. It will be interesting to see if they end up shoehorning Rhea Ripley into the match. And, that, and that's the other thing. They're shooting the, the angle with Rhea Ripley, and it, it seems like she is the, the logical next challenger, and you know she's not in this match. So where does she fit into all this? Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that... Um, kind of hoping she gets added to it and wins, because I think that's kind of the best choice, because her, her, her brief match with Shayna was good. Her, their initial interaction was really good. Rhea feels like a star coming in after being away for a while on the NXT UK brand. Uh, and I just think that's a good move. Because otherwise, I just don't think that... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they're gonna, the others make that much sense right now. So if they add Rhea, she wins. And I don't know, maybe Candice is an outside shot because she's at least a fresh challenger. But yeah. Um, yeah. Not 100% sold on anything on that one, for sure. So, and then they're doing a street fight with Matt Riddle and Killian Dane, which is confirmed for the network portion of the show. Yeah, um, it sucks that it's the the network portion, but, you know, the, this first couple of weeks, what can you do? Uh, I, I think Matt Riddle, another guy, great star quality. He already lost the one match to Killian Dane, should win this match. Street, street fight should be fun. They've already proven like they'll go outside and, and uh, brawl kind of outside of the arena. So I hope they kind of take advantage of that and they do some stuff that isn't fully in the arena. I understand that that's not great for the crowd because they can't see that shit, uh, at least not live. You know, they got to watch it on the video screen. But I adds a different element and it's not so okay it's a street fight but it's really just all still in the arena like go to the streets yeah um i definitely think riddle has a lot of star potential on usa network so i was kind of surprised to see this on the network and in closing jeremy kevin owens fired on smackdown by shane mcmahon lots of speculation that kevin might be working some nxt 
Kevin Owens, obviously a huge fan of Adam Cole. They're friends in real life. And Kevin Owens has stated in interviews that he'd love to work with Adam Cole. He'd love to help make him and Undisputed Era bigger stars. Do you think we get a Kevin Owens appearance at the very least on the NXT show here? Uh, Not yet. I think they let it simmer a little bit. And maybe they do it for the October 2nd show. Um, cause you're gonna need something big for that. And I understand like, okay, if you do it in the first or second week, then people know Kevin Owens is on the show. So they will automatically want to tune in, but it comes back to that thing of, you know, if you see Kevin Owens is on this show, like you're going to flip over and you're going to tune in right then. So I I think if they're going to do it, they're, they're going to let it take some time and and they're going to do it on that show. I think Kevin Owens would be great in NXT, he's discussed it a million times. Adam Cole's discussed it a million times. Owens lives in Florida. He could stay with his family more. We know he's big on uh, big on family. So I think it would be great for Owens. It would definitely not that this show like needs a boost, but it would you know give the show a a main a main roster player, a featured player for many years, a former Universal Champion, without compromising the integrity of NXT, which is what a lot of people were worried about if main roster guys just started showing up like uh, Roman Reigns is just randomly on NXT. Like You put Kevin Owens on that show, he fits right in because Kevin Owens was a big reason why NXT got to the level that it got to. So I, I think it'd be great if Owens showed up on NXT. Yeah, and you know he'll get a godlike reaction in Full Sail, too. Oh my god, Full Sail, yeah. Returning hero, man. Yeah. So, uh, overall uh, excitement for this uh, the first week of NXT going to two hours. Jeremy, how are you feeling about it? I'm pumped. I'm ready to get to NXT. I'm ready to get to AEW, and I'm ready to try to uh, survive October, essentially. Yeah, it'll be a lot, but it's going to be a lot of fun, dude. So that's going to be the best part Definitely. about it. Definitely. So. All right, well, that'll wrap us up for tonight, Jeremy. Thank you, as always. And we will be back Wednesday night. We're going to talk uh, the New Japan Destruction shows. We're going to review the first uh, two-hour NXT. And uh, just a lot of good wrestling going on, Jeremy. I'm excited, brother. Yeah, a, a definitely a lot going on. I got to watch the New Japan Destruction shows. I know one is still yet to take place, but I've not watched the first one because today was a busy day for me. But I'll have them watched before uh, we we talk about them on Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Why are we doing Wednesday? Because we're going to talk about it. We're going to review NXT Wednesday night. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I My schedule's already thrown off. Uh, this is going to be... A long month. <laughs> I know, dude. I hear. But yeah, we'll, we'll have a good time. But yeah, WWE Class Champion, solid show. Not the best show. Nothing horribly wrong with it. Just kind of a show. Um, not great, but still some fun stuff to talk about there. A uh, lot to come out still with the Anthem Access TV Impact stuff. We'll see how everything shakes out. Again, I think Jeremy and I are both kind of pulling for Tuesday night here for Impact. Just think it would be smart, and they, you know, SmackDown will already be off off a Tuesday when they make the move. I just think that makes a lot of sense, and get them to 8 p.m. and not 10 p.m. Um, just makes sense. Stay away from everybody else. Stay away from Monday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, just um, do something smart, and um, we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff to come up, Jeremy. Thank you, buddy.
Yeah, of course. No problem. All right, so we will be back Wednesday night. And remember, you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and, of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. If you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And until Wednesday night, happy wrestling, folks.